uh, I had a word. This is the way God's been doing with me lately. I had a word. I thought, man, this is going to be it. This is where I need to be. And then about 9 o'clock last night, God said, shift. Shift the whole thing. Sometimes I get frustrated with God when he does that to me because I'm like, God, I was really prepared to go lay my head on the pillow and rest. And he said, but you'll find rest in me if you just trust me while I lead you through this moment. And so I got up. I went to my table. I started to type. I started to write things out. And so what God started to do, he said, if you're going to have Pentecost Sunday, then you're going to have to walk them through a process to get them ready for Pentecost Sunday. So I need you to open, I need you this morning to turn with me the book of Acts chapter 1. The book of Acts chapter 1, this is where we'll be for the next two weeks as I'm leading you to this place called Pentecost Sunday. I think this is a word that we've kind of shifted away from the church because we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want those encounters anymore. We just want moments of feel goods. And God says, no, I've got greater things for you. I've got greater outpourings for you, but you've got to get in position for it. So the book of Acts chapter 1 in verse 12, it says this. It says, then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers. Pastor, what are you talking about? You just told us a bunch of people went somewhere and prayed. Yep, that's the power moment right there. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for what you're going to do this morning. I thank you for what you're going to unleash in all of us this morning. Father, I pray that I can contain what's on the inside of me right now. Father, I pray that I can eloquently deliver what you spoke to me last night, what you had me write down on paper, eight pages of confirmation of what you're moving in this moment. Father, help me to deliver not just another sermon, but Father, help me to prophesy in this moment. Help me to declare and decree in this moment that we might receive where you're taking us so that we can be prepared to receive what you have for us on the 31st. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Listen, as we get ready to come back together as a family, preparations must be made. Things must be placed in order. And yes, while we're doing it in this facility, I am not referring to a building. I am not referring to how many times you've washed your hands or put, or put uh, Germex or, or, or Purell on your hands or how cool of a mask you wear. That is not the preparation I'm referring to. I am referring to a spiritual preparation. Over the next two weeks, it's my mission to get you ready to come home. Come home to what? The house? No. To come home to a greater walk with God. To come home to a greater place in God. To come home to a greater pursuit of God. To come home to a greater outpouring in God. To come home into a place where you can see the glory manifest right in front of you. May 31st is Pentecost Sunday, and I promise you it will be a day like never before. But I must ask you this question. Are you ready? Not ready just to see the loved ones that you've missed or the hug on the people that, you, that you've been missing. Not ready to get back to the normal. Not just another Sunday, but ready to encounter God like never before. To experience and dwell in his presence. To never look back and step up with us as a family into this new season of outpouring, of power, of manifestations, of his glory, of signs, miracles, and wonders, of provision and promise. Can I say that one more again? To never look back and to step up with us as a family into this new season of outpouring, of power of manifestations of his glory of signs miracles and wonders of provision and promise and if you're not shouting yet i'm only through page one because last night i can't my wife got up she's like what are you doing i'm writing 
My fingers were hitting keys like I was breaking keys on my keyboard. Why? Because I felt this thing so deep. This new season will not be birthed in the four walls of the church. So stop waiting to get back to church to find God. Find him right now. This new season has been being birthed for the last two and a half months, and you might not even have known it. And it's being birthed in the confines of our homes, in our prayer closets, in our secret places, in our walks, and our talks with God. Do you realize you've been going through the birthing pains over the last two and a half months? Listen, every woman that is pregnant gets tired of sitting at home. And we're tired of sitting at home. We feel the walls closing in around us. We're, we're ready to break out. We're ready to move forward with this thing. But are you ready to move forward with this thing to move back to where you were? Or are you ready to deliver what God has been birthing on the inside of you over the last two and a half months? You thought you were confined and restricted. And all this time, God's been moving in you and through you. He's been speaking to you. He's been giving you rest He's been slowing you down long enough. Somebody said this. Darren said this on Friday night. He slowed down so that you might catch him. Preparing you for such a time as this. Sharpening you. Strengthening you. Empowering you. Teaching you. Visiting you. Holding you. Encouraging you. Changing you. Shifting you. You're about to birth this thing. The contractions have started. Do you feel them yet? It's time to go to the delivery room, but I need to know, are you ready? Some people just like the idea of being pregnant. They don't like the idea of having the child. They like the feeling of carrying a child, but the work of birthing this thing is something that most mothers, they, they just love and desire, but it's the pain, it's the, it's the struggle, it's the moment that they have to go through. Listen, we've been going through the birthing pains, but we're about to deliver this thing, and I need to know, are you ready? This morning, we have to go to that place where we're ready to receive the next season, the next outpouring. This birthing place is called nothing more than the upper room. This is not a geographical place, but a place that you and I press in, pray up, and pursue God like never before. A place of expectation, a place of excitement, a place of brand new beginnings. I cannot emphasize that any more than what I'm saying right there. Brand new beginnings. I have to say this to you as a sidebar, as a sidebar. Do not compare what God is getting ready to do to anything you have ever seen. Because you will limit what God wants to do. It would be better for you to sit in a room and say, I have no idea, than for us to act like we have an idea and put him in the box of what he did long ago. God says, I am about to do a brand new thing. This morning, you and I must make the journey to the upper room as we prepare for May 31st, as we prepare for the day of Pentecost. It is time for us to go. Jesus was, on, Jesus was in the earth. He spoke to the disciples, and he told them to go to the upper room. To what? To wait and pray. Because there was something coming. Can you hear it? Something's coming. Be careful that you're not still standing in the same place you've always stood. It's time for you to move. 
It's time for you to take the journey to the upper room. So go with me to the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 4 and it says this. It says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. To wait for the promise of the Father. To not go away, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Jesus said, don't run back to what you've always done. Don't go back to the old you when when I go. Don't go back to who you were. We have come such a long way. I need you to go and wait for the Father. But I love what it says because we ignore this word, but to wait for what? The promise, which would mean that it was already put into motion before that day. <laughs> see, see, so many times we think, well, when Jesus left, then the Holy Spirit. Uh-uh. God, God planned it that way. He said, I'm going to send Jesus. He's going to do what he's got to do. He's going to die for the sins of many. Then I'm going to receive him back to the heavens, and then I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Okay, Jesus, go. And we act like sometimes that the Holy Spirit was a reaction to Jesus being done with his mission. No, the Holy Spirit was a part of the mission altogether. And he said, go and wait for the promise of the Father. What are you waiting for right now? Do you understand that everything that God is is a promise for you? Have you ever read how many promises are in this book? Have you ever seen how many times God has already spoken to your situation? But we sit around and walking in the wilderness and complaining about our problems. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Why have you forsaken me? God, where have you gone? Oh, God, what are we going to do? And God says, will you please get in line with my promise? Because if you were in line with my promise, you just stand still and wait for me. I told you I'm going to try to deliver this thing. Jesus said, don't run back to what you've always done when I go. Why is it we've run back to who we once were? Why is it we have this tendency to pick up the black book of our past and keep flipping through it as if we can reminisce back into the days of old? The Bible says that old things have passed away and all things have become new. Why is it that we will not press into the new thing and just keep looking back going, but God, I I don't want to leave what once was good. What once was good is not compared to what still will be great. He commanded them not to leave, but to wait for the promise of the Father. You have a promise from God. What What are you whining about? I have a promise from God that my children's children's children shall be saved. See, I'm trying, I'm trying. I got a promise from God that, that I shall live in an old age. I was, I, was in the, I was in the bathroom this morning getting, I don't know what hit me. I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm brushing my teeth and I'm, I'm getting ready and I'm getting ready to walk out the door and it, something hit me. It says, I'm almost 43. I've almost hit half of my life and it hit me like a freight train. God told me, he said, you've almost hit half your life. The medial age for most people is somewhere in the 80s. God says, you've almost hit 50. When you get to 50, you'll have hit half your life. Man, I was brushing my teeth. I received that promise. I received that promise because doctors years ago told me I wasn't going to see the 50. I wasn't going to see old age. But this morning, I was in my bathroom getting ready to come to the house of God, walking in the promises of God. And I heard the voice of God say, you're about to get to half your age. That means there's another half that's still waiting on me. There's another half for me to do what I got to do. There are promises of your life that you have been, that God has put on you, but you haven't walked into yet because you're still walking around the coronavirus going, God, why the coronavirus? God, why the coronavirus? But the Bible says a thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but no plague shall come nigh your dwelling. But you want to walk, I'm going to walk around the desert because it's easier to play in the desert than it is to hold on to the promise. It's easier to be a complainer about situations than to hold on to the promise and the provision of a God that never fails, that never quits, never sleeps, and never slumbers. 
You have a promise from God. He said, go and wait. I don't like to wait. Maybe you need to learn how to wait. Because it's when you refuse to wait that you move your agenda rather than his. He said, go and wait. What do you think you've been doing for the last two and a half months? Maybe, just maybe, this coronavirus was nothing more than an upper room to get you to the outpouring. He said, go and wait. But what you do in that upper room is up to you. He has been preparing you to receive his promise. He has been pushing and pulling and molding and making you ready to receive. He has been healing cracks in your armor, fixing cracks in your vessel so that you might be able to hold what he's getting ready to pour. Somebody, somebody just got to get into the moment and say, man, I thank God for the last two and a half months. Not I'm complaining about the last two and a half months. Oh, I wish, I, I don't understand why it's not going to go longer. Somebody said, somebody said, well, how are we just going to ignore what happened the last two and a half months? No, I didn't ignore. But here's what happened the last two and a half months in me. No sickness came in my house. No sickness came to my loved ones. There were only a few people in the church that we found out got sick and got healed and recovered. You know, God told me to be, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you this, and, and maybe I shouldn't, but I'm going to tell you this anyway. When we walked into the coronavirus, you know what God told me? He said, this plague, this pandemic will not hit this house. He told me that. He gave me a word. He said, this pandemic will not hit this house. And as far as I know, no one in this house has suffered from the coronavirus. You go, Pastor, how can you say that? Because I have a promise. And I'm going to cling to the promise, not the problem. Cling to the promise, not my pain. Cling to the promise. I'm going to hold on to God. He said, go and wait. What do you think you've been doing? Jesus told him to go and wait in the upper room till the Holy Spirit came. And when it comes, you'll receive power when it comes upon you. Look at verse 5. Here it comes. Because I'm going to try. I might, I might jump off stage. I don't know, but just bear with me. Verse 5, it says, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. Did, did you, do you hear that? Do you, do you hear the sound? It's coming. Not many days from now, you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and God started dealing with me. There is going to become such a hunger in believers and non-believers for more than just church but for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there will be evidence. Get ready. You've been going, Pastor, I want it, I want it. It's coming. You better get prepared. You better get to the upper room and get ready. You better get to the upper room. He is saying days from now, you will be empowered. I decided to study what baptism of the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit was, and that was an empowerment, a strengthening. Another word that they use is regeneration, a regeneration for a greater purpose in him, not a greater goosebump, not a greater church service, not a greater emotion, not, oh, give me, give me, give me, but God, I'll give you, give you, give me, give you, because you've empowered me in this moment to be used by you. God is sending greater. Are you in the right place to receive it? Some of us are still sitting on our couches complaining about yesteryear, and God's saying, God's saying, please, will you come to the upper room so that you can be in the right place at the right time to receive what I want to pour out? Your, your reserved seat on Sunday will not be enough to get this thing. I'm going to say that again because that really gets into the confines of a lot of church folk in this world today. Your reserved seat on a Sunday morning will not get you what God's about to pour out. 
Your church services won't even get you because you'll walk in and not even know what's going on. It'll be oblivious to you if you're not ready, if you're not prepared. I'm I'm crying out in this moment, in this hour, God, I want to make sure I'm ready. I want to make sure I'm prepared. I'm not preparing for doom and gloom. I'm preparing for an outpouring. Last night, I'm sitting at the table. I turned on a worship song, and you know what? I just lifted up my hands like this. And as I'm sitting in this moment, I say, God, my cup is open. My cup is ready. Fill, fill, fill. I'm ready. God, I'm ready right now. The problem is, so we have a tendency to go to God like this. Because we are disgruntled about yesteryear rather than excited about what's coming. We are too caught up in the death of Jesus rather than the coming of the Holy Spirit. We are too caught up in loss rather than promise. We're too caught up in, in, in what didn't work out rather than what is working out. What, what isn't working out in your life? Maybe it's for a reason. Maybe the things that you wanted to work out didn't need to work out because it would have killed you in the long run. But we don't give God credit for that. We get mad at God because we didn't get what we want. Let me just say this to you. The days of being selfish and stingy in the church and the things of God are over. The days of you complaining to God, I'm saying this to you, and I have to be very careful because a lot of things have happened. You'll hear about it as the weeks go on when we come back together because there's been a shifting in my spirit like never before. Uh, I'm going to tell you this. Stinginess selfishness in the house of God, in the kingdom of God, in the presence of God will make you walk right out of the move of God. Well, I didn't get what I want. Maybe this one, maybe this moment wasn't for you. Maybe it was for the one sitting next to you. Maybe you should rejoice in what God's doing in them so that God can do a greater work in you. See, I'm just I'm trying to, uh, the, the, the reserve seat is not enough. It's time for you to press in, get to the altar, get to the upper room, get ready. Listen, when we come back on May 31st, I'm going to encourage you, come to the altar to worship. Come to the altar and let God touch you. Come to the altar and let him move in your life. Stop sitting, you sat in your seat long enough. You know what the seat feels like. Get out that comfortable spot and get to the place where God changes everything, the place where God moves. This altar has been open for a long time and we've left it empty. There's been a few of us that have come up here to worship God in spirit and in truth, but God is saying in this I'm going to rip the altar wide. I'm going to rip it really wide. And everyone's going to come flooding to it. Why? Not so they can get close to the stage, so they can get close to the worship team. But they don't want to stay in the back. They want to be right there when the glory falls. It's not about filling spaces so we can look cool on a Sunday morning. Ooh, look how many people are worshiping at the front. This is so that we can get back to the altar, not ignore the altar. He said, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. What if I told you? What if I told you? Pastor, I have the Holy Spirit. Great. But there's a lot of people who don't say they do. There's a lot of people that claim the Holy Spirit but wouldn't know it if it passed them by. Wouldn't feel it. They, they call it a goosebump. It's not a goosebump. It's power. Okay, 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 okay. So it goes on in verse 8. It says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall receive what? Power. Somebody say power. power. See, see, this is the problem. This is where we this is where we mess up. Because when we say say power, we go power. 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 No, no, there's there's a definitive declaration with that word called power. It's got a punch to it. He says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit. See, see, if we just walk in and go, we shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, and we have no expectations. We have hopes. God says in this hour, I don't care about your hopes. I want your expectations. You've hoped long enough. Hope doesn't float boats. Expectation does. And I need you to expect 
the outpouring. I need you to expect the power that you shall receive power. Look what it says. It says, and when you go and pray, you shall receive power. It hadn't come yet. So they had a promise to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The power that is coming is to make us ready for the harvest that is coming. I'm going to say that again. The power that is coming is not for you to feel good. The power that is coming is so that you and I might get up off of our blessed assurance and go do what he's called us to do, what he's purposed us to do. The days of the pastor and the staff leading the church are over. It is time that the house of God become a dwelling place for God and all of us be enacted to march forward and to be used according to his purpose and stop sitting around going, it's the preacher's responsibility, it's the staff's responsibility. No, baby, it is our responsibility because all of us are called by God. Well, I'm just going to go sit in my chair and, and, and receive what, what God has for me and, and eat it up and then take it home and put it on my table and, and snack on it during the week and then come back and get fed again and, and get fed again. Listen, the buffet is about to get closed. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria. In other words, everywhere you go, you're going to have to talk about him. And to the ends of the earth, you understand that this is no longer you get to reserve your believer membership for when it's convenient for your existence. But now you will be enacted to share and to declare and to decree in every space you go into. You will not be allowed to keep God silent in your back pocket. You will be pushed to declare him everywhere you go. You will not ignore the person in the wheelchair riding through Walmart. You'll stop them and pray for them. You will not ignore the person on the side of the street because you just think that they're stealing money. You might get out of your car, pull your car over and say, silver and gold have I not, but what I do have I freely give. That we might step into a place of more than just being spiritual on a Sunday morning in the four walls of a church. But go out, go ye therefore into all the world and declare the good news. Decree the gospel unto every generation, everyone that is lost, so that the lost might be found and they might come home. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This power is coming to make us ready for the harvest that is coming. Not the harvest of old where it wears off when everything calms down and calamity fades. This is the one thing that God has told me this. This thing is totally different than anything we've ever experienced. When 9-11 happened, thousands got saved. But thousands got saved out of fear. Thousands got saved because they didn't know if they were going to be in the next building to be hit. Thousands got saved because they didn't know if a terrorist attack was going to hit their house or hit their family. This is not what's happening. God says this outpouring that's about to happen is going to win souls perpetually for eternity. It's going to be an eternal salvation outpouring. This power is for an eternal harvest. The day is over where we declare salvation and walk away from it. This power that is about to come will create such an encounter with God that people won't want to leave. They won't want to go anywhere else. In fact, I believe this with all my heart that those that have chosen other religions in their season will be drifted back into the house of God. They will find out that Muhammad will not save them, that Allah will not save them, that Buddha cannot save them, that they're sitting there just doing whatever they're doing will not do enough for them with the Holy Spirit spirit can do in them and through them that we are going to see not just a regeneration in new saved people but we're going to see a regeneration in people that were once saved and walked away and they are going to come home this power is not for God to do more but for you to do more 
that you will step outside of the confined, comfortable spaces of your Christianity and in the declarative spaces as a believer crying out, He is here. Not, oh, I need to go to church so I can find him. I got to say this. I got to say this. For the lost, they can find him in the house. But for the believer, we got to stop coming to the church to try to find him. We got to stop waiting till Sunday to find God. God is not just resting in the house. He's resting in you and around you. You can have him right now. You just got to grab him. And you got to hold on to him. And you got to walk with him. And you got to talk with him. You got to stop waiting till Sunday to punch your time card to say, God, look, I went to church. Who cares about you going to church? I, what we come here to do is to celebrate what God's done Monday through Saturday, not to pick him up for Sunday so we might get through Monday through Saturday. Right. Sunday is nothing more than a celebration of the goodness of God. And for those that are lost, to come in and find the goodness of God. But we've got to be careful that we as believers are not sitting outside of the upper room and complaining about what we don't have. And then we walk into church with the same kind of vocabulary. We talked about this last night or yesterday morning when our prayer time, and Pastor Ben brought it up. He said, he said, our vocabulary has to change. Mm. What once worked doesn't work anymore. What you used to speak won't work anymore. You're going to have to find some new words. And can I be honest with you? We need to be careful when we come into the house of God that we, as believers, we find the victory before we come in, not just when we come in. Now, you can find victory in the house of God, and you can come in in your moments, and you can find rest for your soul. And there are moments that you'll walk through, but the perpetual space of every time we come to church, we got problems. If every time a believer comes into the house and declares that we have problems, when do we start serving a God that takes away the problems of the world? When do we finally get to the place where we walk in the promise and the provision, the prosperity, the abundance of God himself? When do we get to the place where the world sees how blessed we are, not how many problems we have? Because here's the truth of it. The world is listening very closely to what we're declaring in this moment. And some of us are walking around deserts but still calling God. Are we the Israelites who end up not going to the promised land or are we Israelites who end up inheriting the promised land? Because the Bible declares that life and death are in the power of your tongue. And what you speak in this moment declares whether you finish this, part, this course or you go back to Egypt and go back to bondage. Well, I, I, I remember when. or I wish we'd have never. I wish this had never happened. I thank God for the coronavirus. I thank God for COVID-19. I thank God because it woke up something in all of us. And if you're not awake yet, wake up. Your sleep is over. That you might step out of the confines. This power will help you step out of the confines of your comfortable spaces of your Christianity. This power will create a boldness like never before. Kept hearing it. For the righteous are bold as lions. The righteous are bold as lions. The righteous are bold as lions. This power will create a boldness like never before. We'll be more concerned with people's eternity and not with our own popularity. I'll give that to you one more time just for a freebie. This power will create a boldness like never before, where we will be more concerned with people's eternity and not our own popularity. This power will crush the, revel the relevance of our own lives and make him the reason we exist. We have been crying out for years for God to use us in a mighty way without being willing to go to the upper room. We have said, God, use us. God, use us. And he said, go to the upper room. I don't want to walk. 
God, use us in a mighty way. I need you to go and pray and wait. But God, I just want it right now. I just, I want it right now, God. Why do I have to wait? Because everything that's worth something is worth waiting for. Ask the person who settled for the wrong one because they weren't willing to wait. We have been crying out for years for God to use us. God, God, use our church. Use us in a mighty way. Have you been in the upper room waiting? Or are you still sitting on your couch waiting for God to come kick your door in? Are you in the upper room waiting on him? God is saying now is the time. It's coming to get to the birthing place. Now is the moment. Get up. You've packed your bags. You've had them sitting at the door waiting for this moment. The birthing contractions have started. Get up. Get in the car and go to the upper room. Get out. Go to the place so that you can deliver this thing. The disciples only had a promise of what was to come. But they went to the upper room, the birthplace, and prayed until... You don't go to the hospital once you're in contractions and go in and go check in and get in your car and go back home. Go, well, I just, I I made them know I was here. I'm going to go back to my stuff. No, you go in and then they check you in and then they take you to a room and then they start preparing you for what is to come. The upper room is the preparation place for what is to come. Are, Are you going to the upper room or are you still sitting around, walking around, hoping that things will change? We have to stop praying for it to come and get ready knowing it's coming. We must go from hoping to knowing. From hoping to knowing. See, listen, as long as we hope for a thing, we really don't believe it's going to come to pass. We hope it will. But when we know a thing, (laughs) we know it's coming to pass. I'm telling you. In 15 years of ministry, I have not had any more greater expectation than what I have for May 31st. And it is not because you're coming home. Whether you come home or not, will not stop what God's getting ready to do. Whether you sit at home and wander around the wilderness or you get up and you say, you know what, enough's enough, I'm moving forward. Doesn't matter. Your lack of movement will not stop God's movement in this hour. And I have to be very cautious how I say this and how I deliver this because I don't want you to get offended when I say this. But I keep hearing this in my spirit and my prayer time. Not everyone who cries out, Lord, Lord, will inherit the kingdom of God. And God won't let me off that scripture. And I don't know why he won't let me off that scripture. But for some reason, he keeps throwing that one at me every time I go into prayer. Because here's what's happening. There are going to be people who complain about what we're doing. There are going to be people who even today will say, I can't believe they're going to go back to May 31st. Don't they know what's going on in the world? Baby, I know what's been going on in the world. I've been watching the news. I've been watching it every day. And can I be honest with you? I'm sick and tired. Pastor, you're insensitive. I'm not insensitive. There are people that have died, and we, we pray for those families, and we pray that God will touch those families, but God doesn't quit because of death. God doesn't stop moving, and he doesn't, he doesn't sit in our pain. He says, come on, you can weep for a night, but joy comes in the morning time. Can you get up, and let's go into joy? Can we march forward? I, I'm tired of hearing about where we can't go. I'm going to talk about where we can go. Can I just be honest with you? Yesterday, I drove through the Fremo Town Center. It looked like Fremo Town Center was back open. But, what, but what, what, what is happening is, is for some of us, the enemy has gotten so in that we're just going to keep circling, keep circling. Ah, okay, let me go a little bit deeper. There, here's how I kind of feel of it now. Uh, uh, your Jericho won't stop until you shout. 
you're walking around the walls going, we'll never get in, we'll never get in. And God's going, I gave you one simple plan, one simple promise. If you'd walk around this bad boy seven times, and when you're done with this thing, when you come around that seven times, and you let out a shout like you've never let out before, when you finally get over your pride, your ego, and all those things, and you step into a place in me, those walls will crumble, and everything that's inside of that place you'll inherit. Got to get to that upper room. Got to get to that upper room. In order to step into this next season, you're going to have to move towards him or you must be movable. Ah, I got to say this to you real quick because I felt this one really heavy in my spirit last night. You don't get to be picky. You just have to be expectant. Your seniority in the faith does not matter. When I wrote that last night, I said, that's going to make some people angry. Here it goes. Your seniority in the faith does not matter in this moment because the same outpouring God's going to do to you that you've been saved for 40 years is the same person that's going to feel the same thing that God saved yesterday. Amen. Oh, well, I'm, I've been in this thing. God does not care about your seniority. It's all about him. Stop looking. We're going to, we got to stop looking for pulpits and picking up toilet brushes. Stop trying to be the spotlight and let him be the, become the light in you. Be as teachable as you desire to teach. A lot of people want to teach, but not a lot of people are teachable. Pastor, I feel called to teach. I feel called to teach. Well, can God talk to you? And when he talks, do you do it? Because I'm going to be honest with you. If you can't be teachable, you'll never teach. You'll try, but it'll never give you fruit. It'll never bear fruit. You got to teach. You have to be as teachable as you are having a desire to teach. You have to be as lovable as you are desiring to be loved. This power that is coming is not about another great move of God. This is the move of God. I'm telling you, I felt this last night. We have wanted moves of God, and it's been here the whole time. God, pour out your spirit. I did. You just won't go to the upper room and wait on it. Because we've become the McDonald's, Burger King, fast food culture of the church where we think that we can go to a window and demand what we want rather than going to the secret place and waiting until he brings us what we need. This power that is coming is not about another. Stop asking, oh God, that we might have another great move. This is the move of God, the one he promised, not the one we manufactured and called God. This place that we're going over, this place that we're going to, these next two weeks, this is where we're going to encounter God. This is where we're going to pursue him. This is where we're going to press into him. I'm challenging you, those of you that are listening and will listen later, for the next two weeks, I'm asking you to go all in. Oh, no, 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 no. And I'm not talking to you so we can have a party on May 31st. Uh Uh-uh. I believe with everything in my heart that the river of God is going to flow in this house and in churches all over this nation. And there is going to be an outpouring that we've never seen. And the glory of God is going to manifest. And the skies are going to open up. And we're going to see him face to face. And it's not going to be, well, when is it going to happen? But we're going to encounter him. Come on, Pastor. Pastor, what? An upper room. Yeah, Moses had an upper room with a burning bush. 
John the Baptist had an upper room when the Holy Spirit came in the form of a dove. Jacob had an upper room when he wrestled with an angel and his name was changed to Israel. When God spoke to Samuel and he did not even realize that it was God speaking, he had an upper room experience and responded, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And God spoke to him. It is time for us to head on to the upper room so that we can give birth to this thing and experience the power his word talks about. My wife, and I know she's watching, my wife has been praying for the last at least four years for signs, miracles, and wonders. And like never before, I believe that I can almost put my finger on them. The house of God, the church, the church of the true and living God. Not the church of the ego, not the church of pride, not the church of opinion. Not the church of emotion. The church that holds on to the word of God. Not the feel goods, not the grace message. But righteousness, holiness, devotion to God. For that church, the outpouring is coming. Pentecost is here. It's been here, but we haven't stepped into it. And God says, you're about to walk right into the glory cloud. We can't sit still anymore. God, I hope you're shouting louder than I feel like I'm preaching. We can't. But how? You're going to have to move to the upper room. You've experienced Jesus. You've experienced the move of God. You know that he's capable. You know that he's able. Here's kind of how I see it. Jesus said, I've done all I can do. I need you to move past it. We're so caught up in holding on to Jesus that we have eliminated the Holy Spirit and the move of the Holy Spirit in the church. Jesus said, I fulfilled my mission. I was sent to die for the sins of men. But all along, part of the plan was the Trinity to be in full effect. The Holy Spirit has to come. Listen, listen I was raised in the Spirit-filled church. I'll give you another word that God gave me last night. From now on, when people ask me what kind of a church we are, I will not refer to this as a non-denominational church. This is a spirit-filled church. I will who? I will no longer refer to a lack of denominationalism to appease. But I will declare who and what we are filled by. We are a spirit-filled church. Spirit-led house of an almighty God. Pastor, what what do I need to do? You know, Pastor, I've been praying. I've been seeking God. Pastor, I feel like I've been, been keep doing it. Pastor, I I haven't been pursuing. I've just been waiting for us to get back to church because it's not going to do. Find a space in your house. When, when we moved into the house we're in right now, we have two closets. You know, of course, my wife wanted the big closet. But somehow all of her clothes made it into my closet. And I just said, babe, you got this whole closet. Why can't I just have one closet to myself? She said, because I need a prayer room in the house. And my wife... 
has turned that into her prayer closet. She got a little carpet on there that somebody made here in Slido 4 with her favorite scripture on it. There have been moments where I woke up and I, I heard her get up and I go through the house and she's not there. look into the closet and she's sitting there just with her word just in her upper room waiting on God. I can't tell you how many times she's woke up on a Sunday morning while I'm getting ready to come here to preach and she's in her prayer closet asking God for a word for this house. She's in her upper room waiting on God. Pastor, I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm weary best place for you to go is the upper room and wait there it says that the Bible says that they went to the upper room and they prayed there 120 people praying can you imagine can I be honest with you I believe that same outpouring is going to happen in this house I believe that we're going to start a prayer revolution in this house that every week we come together as a family and I'm believing hundreds hundreds will come here to pray they might not be even attenders of our church. They'll just hear about the move that's happening. I have always asked God, God, I don't want to miss. I've always told God, God, I, I don't want to miss it. I want to be a part of it. And I feel like right now, God's going, yep. You're going to be a part of it. I got a promise for another 57 years today. <laughs> Holy cow. God promised me another 57 years this morning. That might not be significant to you, but for a guy that was dealing with heart situations just a year ago, that is power. I started calculating how old I'd be. 100 years old, where will Judah be? Judah and I are exactly 30 years apart. Judah will be 70 years old when I go to God. Because one of my biggest prayers is that I would be here for a long time with them. I'm going to be here for my son's 70th birthday. Y'all, y'all, I'm just, that's just, okay, whatever. at the table last night and I said, God, I'll do whatever I got to do. Just don't let me miss it. And he said, okay. Carry my glory without any reservations. And I'm going to be honest with you. This outpouring doesn't start in the church. It starts now in your homes. So that we come here May 31st, we come with expectation for what's going to manifest in this building. This will become your upper room on May 31st. And I'm declaring, not by faith, but because I know and I have a promise that the fire of God will fall in this house. The Spirit of God will fall in this place. And it will be a day that we write down where everything changed. Everything. Everything. There's so much I want to share as to where we're headed and what, what we're, where, what's happening. But the words that we keep hearing on Saturday mornings, because what happens, we come into prayer on Saturday mornings and God just moves sovereignly and, and God speaks to our team. And one of the words that we keep hearing is the season we're about to get into has no lack in it. 
no lack. Where you felt like you've been running up against walls to get into spaces that you've been believing God for, God says that he's removing those spaces. You're about to see, but you're going to have to be in position. I need you to get to the upper room. He's coming. That power is on its way. But I need you to get into your upper room these next two weeks and wait on God. Wait on the promise of the Father. Next week, I want to give you four keys to the upper room experience. We're going to stay in the same context of Scripture. And if you want to read ahead, go ahead. Then on the Sunday, we come back together. I'm going to deliver a word from the book of Acts chapter 2. Crazy things are going to happen in this building. I might run for the first time on a Sunday ever. I don't know. I already stand on chairs, so that's okay. But I'm just telling you, you need to get ready. Because the word from God to me last night sitting at the table is, tell them to get in the upper room. And it's almost like, it's like you hear the sirens of the tornado coming and you have to go shelter in place. It's a place where you don't have everything you need, but you have just enough to survive. God says, I tell them, Brian, tell them that the sounds of heaven, the trumpets of heaven have been sounded, and they have to get to the upper room because if they don't, they will not experience this outpouring. There is a place that God is desiring to meet us. And that is a place where we choose to wait and pray complain, not whine, not beg, not be in doubt, but a place where we go and say, I have a promise from God. He promised, therefore he's coming. He's about to do a great work in me, through me, and around me. I need you to go to the upper room. I need you to move. And I ask you to find a place in your home. Separate yourself if you have to. Go in your closet if you have to. I don't care where you go. Go take a walk around. That's your upper room. Go take a walk around the neighborhood. Don't take all your kids with you. Take time these next two weeks and find that place with God. We have been so busy here. And last night God says, hey, Brian, I need even you to find that upper room. I know we've had times together, but I need you to consecrate some space with you and me because I need to prepare you to lead where I'm going. find that spot and I need you to lay every reservation aside and I need you to lay your your, your pride or your oh I, I don't want to do that that's weird no just just step in and let God move let him touch okay, okay here I gotta I got feel so much in my spirit I believe that after May 31st we're going to see one of the greatest outpourings of healings manifest there are those of you that are watching right now that have been sick in body or been dealing with a medical issue and you feel like there's no hope, there's not going to be any change. I'm declaring and decreeing in this moment that after Monday, after Sunday, May 31st, that the heavens will open with the healing virtue of God and it will begin to flow in those and around those who are ready to receive. I feel so emphatic about that. I feel so strong about that that I'm willing to lay this ministry on the line for it. 
There are those of you that have been hoping and believing and praying and seeking for God to move in a mighty way. And God says, I'm going to remove every roadblock. But you have to be in position. Because God's going to take away every reason for you to go backwards and give you every reason to march forward. I keep hearing this, the shalom of God, the nothing missing, nothing broken, peace of God. The nothing missing, nothing broken, peace of God. It's what's coming. Nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing missing, nothing broken. Every promise that he has for you will come to pass. You've got to be in position. It's about position. Not physical leadership position. It's about you being in the right place at the right time for the right thing from the right God. I need you to go. If I've ever given a word to this house, if I've ever given a word to this church, let this one be heard to the depths of your soul. Get into your upper room. Because the promise of the Father is coming. I refuse to miss what God wants to pour out. Let's do this together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you. First of all, God, I thank you for this word. You know, God, I bellyache a lot of times when you throw me curveballs in the middle of the night. But God, now I understand. I get it now. Get why you gave me this word last night. You, huh? Like John the Baptist, God, you are crying out from the wilderness. Prepare ye the way. Father, you are preparing us for the greatest move we've ever experienced. And the crazy part is it's been here the whole time. We've just been caught up in everything else. Father, help us to not sacrifice the Holy Spirit for the signs, miracles, and wonders. But understand that because of the Holy Spirit, we shall see signs, miracles, and wonders. Because that is the power that regenerates us and strengthens us to not only be used for your glory, but to see your glory. Father, wipe away the scales from our eyes. Remove the clay from our hands and our feet. Father, chisel the cement blocks that we've created, that we've planted ourselves in or built around us because it was easier to stand still than it was to move. Father, help us to break free from our shackles, remove our roadblocks, and let us move to that place called the upper room with an expectation that the promise of the Father is coming. It is coming. It is coming coming. Father, your word says that there were only a few that you spoke to, but 120 ended up. I could only imagine the word that was spread 
as they got the word from you to go and pray and wait for the promise of the Father to, to go away, they probably went to each other and said, man, you got to come with us. This, this is crazy. Father, I feel that same expectation. you got to come with us. This is going to be crazy. This is going to be something we've never done. This is something we've never experienced. But it's going to be something that changes us for the rest of our lives. Father, help us to move. To be movable. Help us to march forward expectation in our hearts leaving our hopes behind but walking into the fulfillment of his promise God help us help us God we desire more but we have to get in position to receive time that we go to the unknown. Father, bless everyone that's on this live stream today. Bless everyone that's listening. Father, encourage, strengthen, challenge, motivate, shape, move, shift, whatever you got to do. Father, get up. We desire to be ready. For the one that's watching today that does not know you, Father, I pray that the glory of God manifest right where they are. The peace that passes all understanding would guard and keep their heart and their mind. And Father, you would wrap your loving arms around them in this moment and let them know that you have not forgotten about them, that you have not quit on them. For the wayward believer, for the one that's walked away, Father, for those that think they can't come back, Father, I pray right now that like a clarion call, a trumpet sound from heaven goes out that says it's time to come home. It's time to come home. It's time to come home. And God, I'm not referring to this house. I'm referring to the kingdom of God. It is time to come home, to take your place back in the house, to find your room again and to find your rest in him. God, move only the way that you can. And God, I promise we'll be ready. God, I'll be ready. make sure that my family's ready. Because I'm going to see the next 57 years of my life being fulfilled by the glory of God. And I'm going to see it by the work you're going to do in my children. I hold on to that promise. Because you did not send the Holy Spirit to be reserved for 120 years. You sent the Holy Spirit so it could be given by 120. Father, let us become carriers of your Spirit. Move through every house today. Move through every car. Move through every job site. As we prepare ourselves to receive power that you promised us to come. We're going to the end.